a new series, as Chris said, called Objections to the Christian Faith. And the series is based on a survey we did back in January when we invited our church family to submit any objection that they have had or their families or maybe their friends have had or coworkers, people they know in their lives to the Christian faith. Like what's holding those people back, people that we know, what's holding them back from putting their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We got over 190 objections turned in. We put them into categories and we came up with the top five things that we're gonna deal with in this series. I'll tell you about the, the biggest objection and we're gonna talk about that today. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But next week, we're gonna look at the objection of God's existence. So there's some people that say, you know what? Like, I can't believe in Christianity because I don't know that God exists. Like I, I kind of need some proofs for that. So we're gonna look at that next week. The week after that, we're gonna try to answer the question, if God does exist, then why does he allow bad things to happen? That's a very common question that that people of faith and people who don't have faith in Christ ask. So we'll deal with that in two weeks. Then we're gonna look at the, the question of how can Christianity claim it is the only way to heaven? Sounds kind of narrow minded. We like options and uh, we don't like to just have one way. And so how can Christianity claim that it is the only way? And then we'll end this series by talking about science and the Bible. That's a big objection that people have. They say, you know what, like, it seems like we can believe in science or we can believe in the Bible, have faith in, in what God says through scripture, or we can do one or the other, but we can't do both. So is it possible? for us to believe in science and the Bible. So we're gonna try to address that in the last week of this series. So if you know someone who has one of those objections, I encourage you to invite them to this series. Invite them to come with you to, to sit through the, each week of this series. They can, if they can't come, they can listen online. And I encourage you to do that. We put all of our messages online on our website, theepicchurch.com, on our iTunes account. So either way, you can listen to it there. And if you're a person today who's here because somebody invited you, you heard we were doing this series, I am so glad you're here uh, because I think God's got some real answers for these questions that we're asking, these real objections that people have. So I'm glad that you're here. Now, the biggest objection to Christianity that our church family has identified is not just the biggest uh, objection that we've identified. It's one of the biggest objections that is shared across the world. Does anybody know what the biggest objection is for people to put their faith in Jesus? Hypocrisy. You got it. It's when Christians who are supposed to represent God to the world do not represent him well to the world. Now, how many of you have ever thought that Christianity is a religion full of hypocrites? Anybody ever thought that before, Phil? Honest? Yep. Yep. Anybody uh, willing to say you know a Christian who's a hypocrite? Anybody willing to say, like, maybe you're sitting by a Christian who's a hypocrite? So there's a lot of hypocrites out there. And the reality is, people didn't just make up this perception. This hypocrisy label came from real experiences that people have had with people who claim to be Christ followers. And those experiences go from sad to weird to painful. 
Anybody ever had a, a really weird or sad experience with a Christian? Somebody who claimed to be a follower of Jesus but didn't represent him well. Anybody had like a, a weird or sad experience? Okay, a number of you had. Some of you might even have had painful experiences. Um, when a Christ follower abuses somebody physically, verbally, or even sexually, that leaves a painful scar that that person often holds for a lifetime. And there are people out there who say, you know what, I don't know that I can follow Jesus because I got hurt by one of his followers. And that is a very sad statement. It's a very sad reality. So let me just start by saying something to those here this morning who may have been hurt by a Christ follower, maybe somebody listening online who's been hurt by a Christ follower. I am so sorry that that's happened to you. God never intended for you to be hurt by that person in that way. God is deeply grieved that someone claiming to represent him has hurt you. And God wants to fix that. God wants to fix that in your life. God wants to actually address that hypocrisy issue in that person's life. And God wants you to know him for who he really is. So I'm glad you're here today. Because I, I think that when we understand how God feels about hypocrisy, it can kind of change how we perceive him and how we interact with him. Now, if you are a Christ follower, and, and I assume that's a majority of us in this crowd, if you are a Christ follower, let me say this. How we handle our hypocrisy and the hypocrisy of other Christ followers around us is a major issue. How we live might pull someone to God or push them away from him. Let me say it just a little differently. How we live might pull someone into heaven for all of eternity or it might push someone to hell forever. So does that feel like weighty to you? It should. How we live, how we represent God to the world should feel like a significant weight on our shoulders. That we need to figure out how to get this one right. Because people's eternities are dependent upon it. Now this morning, as I begin, I want to start with the original definition of hypocrisy. The original definition of the word hypocrite. Uh, when it first came out, it was very different than the word that we use today. And it actually comes from a Greek word that means actor or one who interprets from underneath. So let me explain the second definition there. It actually comes from the, the theatrical world. It comes from a time when people who, actors who would perform on a stage would wear masks to identify the type of person that they were playing in that dramatic element or the emotion that they were experiencing in that dramatic element. So it's often identified through masks like these. So look at these masks on the screen. So anybody familiar with these masks? Anybody ever seen them before? Right, most of us have. Uh, anybody know what these masks are called? Comedy and tragedy. You got it. So we often see these masks and think, oh yeah, drama. We think high school play or Broadway musical or something along those lines. Well, that's the original 
definition of the word hypocrite. That's where it comes from. Now, over time, that word became to be the word that was used to describe someone who was wearing a mask and pretending to be somebody that they weren't. They were saying one thing and doing another. And this might surprise you, especially if you're not a Christ follower, but Jesus hates that type of hypocrisy. He hates it when his followers wear masks, say one thing, do another, pretend to be someone that they really aren't. So I want you to listen to something that Jesus said to religious leaders in his day. So get the context of who he's talking to and who he's talking about and put your seatbelt on because Jesus has some heavy language for these religious leaders. Matthew 23, starting verse 13, Jesus says this. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others in enter either. Verse 15, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Verse 25, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 27. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, don't you wish you were in the crowd that day that Jesus said that? Like, wow, I think our mouths would have dropped and we're like, Jesus, you just said what we wanted to say to those people. So if you say, listen, I, I, I hate Christian hypocrisy, be encouraged. Jesus does too. Jesus hates it when people who claim to follow him wear masks, say one thing, and do another. Here's why that's important. Sometimes we associate Christian hypocrisy with God himself. There are moments that people on the outside of, of faith look at people on the inside of the Christian faith and say, well, if you're a hypocrite, then maybe your God's a hypocrite. But nothing could be further from the truth. God's no hypocrite. God doesn't say one thing and do another. God is consistent in who he is and how he lives always. And we need to understand that or we will pull away from God for wrong reasons. Now, how fair do you think it would be if somebody pulled away from you because of what somebody else did? Okay, so imagine somebody pulls away from you, mislabels you, calls you a hypocrite, but they're calling you that because of what somebody else did, because of their hypocritical behavior. Anybody think that would be fair for somebody to mislabel you? Like, I don't think any of us feel that way. I want you to imagine something with me for just a minute, and I'm going to tie it back into how I think God feels. I want you to imagine that you're a prominent business owner in our community, and you've got a lot of customers. You also have a lot of employees. 
And imagine one day, one of your customers has a really bad experience with one of your employees. And you know that employee is not living up to your values, is not living the way that they were trained, is not doing what you've asked them to do. And as a result, you've got a customer saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that business anymore. If that's how you're going to treat me, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Now, just think for a minute, what would you want that customer to know about you, about your company, and about that employee? So if I were in that spot, I would want that customer to know, listen, that employee is not living up to our standards, is not living our values. They're not living the way that they've been trained to live. And I'm so sorry that, that they have done that. I don't want you to turn away from me. I don't want you to turn away from our company just because of them and what they've done. I want you to know, like, I'll address that issue. I'll address that employee. I want you to know that. I wouldn't want to lose a customer. I think God feels the same way. I think God says to people who aren't Christ followers but have objections because of a bad experience with with one of his followers, I think God says, listen, don't mislabel me based upon them. Get to know me for who I really am. And no, I will address that wayward employee. I will address that, that person who's not representing me well, but please don't turn away from me just because of them. I think we kind of get that concept. I think we would all feel similarly about that, and I think that's how God feels when it comes to his followers not representing him well to the people that he is trying to reach. Now, speaking directly to those of us who are Christ followers, I think there are two types of hypocrisy that Jesus hates. Two types of hypocrisy that Jesus does not want us involved in at all. So let me describe these two. So the first is the do as I say, not as I do type of hypocrisy. Jesus hates that. Jesus also hates the I am just a sinner saved by grace type of hypocrisy. So let me explain the two. They're, they're a little bit different. The first type of hypocrisy is what the religious leaders were doing in Jesus' day. So they were telling people to live one way, but they weren't living that way themselves. And so that's why Jesus was so hard on those religious leaders on that moment where we were reading in Matthew 23. But earlier in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to his followers and he says this about the religious leaders and how they're behaving. So Matthew 23, verse two, he says, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. And Jesus hated it when people who are supposed to represent God to the world would say one thing and do another. So if you're a Christ follower, let me ask, are you living that way? Are you wrestling with that type of hypocrisy? Are you telling people how to live, but you're not living that way? God hates that, and he wants us to hate it as well. Sometimes we go to another extreme, though. 
So we don't want to be the do as I say, but not as I do type of, of Christians. And so sometimes we fall into another hypocrisy trap. And it's the, I'm just a sinner saved by grace type of hypocrisy. Now, let me ask you this. Is that statement true? Is it true that all Christ followers are sinners saved by grace? Yes, it is true. We are all sinners saved by God's amazing grace. And we need to understand that. We need to hold that deeply to our hearts. That's what's so amazing about faith in Christ. But sometimes I fear we use that as an excuse for living hypocritical lives. And here's how it sounds. Sometimes we say, you know, and I know I'm not living the way that I should but I'm just a sinner saved by grace, which is code for I'm going to keep doing what I shouldn't and keep expecting God to pour out more grace. That's a hypocrisy that Jesus hates. When we say, you know what, I know I'm not living the way that I should, but I'm not telling anybody else how to live. Sometimes we think that's a loophole that gets us out of the hypocrisy category, but it does not. It's another type of hypocrisy that Jesus does not want us involved in. So listen to, to how the Apostle Paul addressed that in Romans chapter six. So in Romans six, there's this conversation going on. There's actually these Christ followers who are saying, hey, when I sin, God pours out more grace. So that means when I sin more, more grace comes. So my sin's actually a good thing. And the Apostle Paul goes, no, that's not a good thing. You're like, you got your math all wrong. So in Matt, uh, actually, Romans chapter six, starting verse one, he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And there were some there that would have said, yes, that's what it means. And he says in verse two, no, that's not what it means. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So God's grace doesn't give us permission to live hypocritical lives. God's grace frees us to live in response to what Jesus has done for us. So if you're a Christ follower, have you found yourself living in the I'm just a sinner saved by grace type of hypocrisy where you're taking advantage of God's grace, where you're looking for a loophole to continue to live in a way that you know that doesn't honor God? Jesus hates that type of hypocrisy. And he wants us to deal with that in our lives. Now, this morning, I have a confession to make. And I would like you all to keep this just between us, okay? <laughs> all right, so don't tell anybody I told you this. But there are moments, too many moments in my life, when I am a hypocrite. When I say one thing and I do another. Here's an example. I can counsel people all day on how to solve marital conflict and marital problems and how to communicate effectively. And I can go home and have the worst fight ever with my wife. And there are moments that I am not applying the truth that I am offering to people to apply in their lives. There are actually moments where my wife says, do you ever practice the stuff that you tell other people to do? She didn't say that all the time. But there are moments that I am inconsistent. There are moments that I am hypocritical. There are moments that I feel just like the Apostle Paul. And this may sound interesting, but after Paul's telling people in Romans 6, listen, we shouldn't live that way. We shouldn't take advantage of God's grace. Listen to what he says 
in Romans 7. Romans 7, verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 18, he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Verse 21, he says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind, the power that that makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, like there are moments I have to admit that I am a hypocrite. And I do the same thing this morning saying like, hey, I have to admit that there are moments in my life when I am hypocritical. I think that's the first step for any of us to deal with our hypocrisy is to say, you know what? I have to admit it. First step is saying like, I got my own hypocrisy that I have to to deal with. And then Paul says, this is how we can deal with our hypocrisy. So in verse 24, he asks the question, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then in verse 25, he gives us the answer and he says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the answer for us dealing with our own hypocrisy is Jesus. And I think that applies to all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not. So let me speak to those who are not Christ followers first, and then I'll address those of us here today who are Christ followers. So if you aren't a Christ follower, I think God wants to help you with your own hypocrisy that's in your own life, and not just your hypocrisy. He wants to help you deal with with many things in your life. He actually wants to transform you from the inside out. And the, the reality is when Jesus started inviting people to be his disciples, he never said to anybody, hey, go clean up your life, then come follow me. He just said, hey, come follow me, and I'll help you clean up your life. Sometimes we get that backwards. Sometimes we think, you know what, like, I can't like, see how Jesus can help me because I don't know I believe in all that stuff. I don't know that I'm living the way that I should. I don't know that I could learn anything from Jesus or that he would want to teach me anything because I, I don't know that I'm living the way that I should or believe all that, that I think that he wants me to believe. But you would be surprised to understand that when Jesus invited people to follow him, he invited some very ungodly people to follow him. He didn't go to the religious elite and say, hey, why don't you be my followers? He went to some people that were kind of the opposite of that. And we see that in Luke chapter five. So in Luke chapter five, verse 27, it says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now we've talked about tax collectors here over the past few months several times, but if you're kind of new, let me quickly explain. For the Jews that lived in Jesus' day, they hated tax collectors. They were in a category all by themselves. So they had kind of this category system, who was close to God and who was far from God. And those that they thought were close to God were the religious leaders. And then there was the common people. And then there were sinners. And then there were notorious sinners. And then there were tax collectors, kind of at the bottom of the barrel. And everybody thought like, they are the worst of the worst. Like nobody likes tax collectors. And so Jesus walks up to a tax collector and everybody's going like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna blast him just the way he blasts the religious leaders? Watch what Jesus does. He walks up to Levi and he says, hey, Levi, come, follow me. 
be my disciple. And imagine what everybody around him is thinking. Like, have you lost your mind? He's at the bottom of the barrel. Like you went to the lowest of the low and you invite him to be your follower? And Jesus says, yeah, like I'm inviting him. And people would have thought like, he's got to go clean up his life. He can't follow you. He's got to go fix all that hypocrisy in his life, all that garbage in his life before he could ever come follow you. And Jesus just says, no, just come, follow me. Verse 28 says, Levi got up, left everything and followed Jesus. Verse 29 says, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. Now, Matthew uh, verse, or chapter 9 gives us a different definition of who those other guests were. It, it actually says, other disreputable sinners. So can you imagine what that dinner party was like? A little bit of a rowdy crowd that Jesus was hanging with that night. It was kind of a rough experience, and uh, the religious leaders couldn't stand the fact that Jesus was doing that. We'll see that in a minute, but the interesting thing for me is that people who were very much not like Jesus love to be around Jesus, and if you would say this morning, I don't really like being around Christ followers, I bet you would love to be around Jesus. He's very different. He actually lived the way that we're supposed to live. He loved people the way that we're supposed to love people. He valued people the way that we're supposed to value people. So if you're like, yeah, I don't know about Christians, I think you would love Jesus. Verse 30, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, they get upset, they complain, and they go to Jesus' disciples, and they ask this question, why do you eat and drink with such scum? That's a big statement coming from religious leaders. Now, Jesus steps in before his disciples can say, we don't know why he does that. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So if you aren't a Christ follower, Jesus simply says, hey, come follow me. That doesn't mean you got to go clean up your life before you can follow Jesus. That doesn't mean you got to become a religious snob before you can follow Jesus. It just means you have to simply follow him like Levi did. Here's how you can do that. I got a couple of recommendations for you. The first is grab a Bible and get acquainted with Jesus. The Bible is the best source for us to get acquainted with Jesus and how he lived and how he treated people. So I recommend you grab one of our Bibles. We've got Bibles at the back of each seating section. If you don't have a Bible at home, you need one, grab one of those. And then on your way home, stop by Walgreens and get some of those magnifying glasses because the print is really small. It's really small. Read it in the daylight. Don't read it at night. You know, like, you know, maybe you can download the Bible app on your smartphone. Uh, if you're looking for a Bible app, I recommend YouVersion, Y-O-U version. Uh, it's a great Bible app. And on there, you'll see there's all kinds of versions that you can read the Bible through. And I would recommend the New Living Translation. That is the NLT. It's a great version to start with because of its reader friendliness. So get a Bible, get a paperback Bible, get a Bible downloaded on your phone, and then I recommend you read the book of John. So when you read the book of John, it's all about Jesus. And it'll help you see God's love in action for you. You'll get to see how Jesus loves people, how he treats people, how he values people. And you'll recognize that Jesus 
is no hypocrite. And I think you'll learn a lot as you observe Jesus in his life. Now, the second thing I'm gonna recommend that you do is gonna sound crazy, like, like really crazy. So not only do I recommend that you get a Bible and you get acquainted with Jesus, but I recommend that you find a good church and you attend it weekly. And I know you're thinking like, why would I do that? That's where the hypocrites are. Like, like I, I know, like I get it. But remember what Jesus said, why he came and who he came for? He came for the sick. Where do you find really sick people? Somebody said church. That's the answer to my next question. But yeah, that's the answer. You find really sick people in hospitals. And I think the church should be more like a hospital than a social club. So when you walk into church, you should look around and see like, ooh, there's kind of sick people here. Like there's people with hurts and habits and hangups. And you know what? In that crowd, there's going to be some hypocrites as well. It's a great place for sick people, right? Hospital is a great place for sick people to hopefully get the treatment that they need in that moment. And church can be a great place for people who have hurts, habits, and hangups. And so as you come in, just know, like, yeah, there's going to be some sick people here. I got to look beyond them and get to know what the Bible calls the great physician, Jesus is the great physician. He can help anybody get better from any sickness that we have. And he definitely wants to help all of us get over the hypocrisy that may be in our own lives. And let me just give you permission. If you're um, new to, to Epic, um, you're just exploring faith and, and you take up my challenge and you think, you know what, I'm gonna come on a regular basis. Let me give you permission for something that's gonna sound weird. If you see some hypocrisy, just walk up to that person and, and say, hey, I heard your pastor say that Jesus hates hypocrisy and we should too. And then just walk away. It could be a great conversation starter or ender. I, I don't know, but just pray for that person and know, hey, they're in a good place because Jesus wants to transform them. So if you're not a Christ follower, grab a Bible, get acquainted with Jesus, find a good church and attend it weekly. Now, let me address those of us who claim to be Christ followers. Jesus told us how to address our hypocrisy in Matthew 23, verse 25. He said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Then in verse 26, he said, here's what you do. First, wash the inside of the cup and the dish. Then the outside will become clean as well. So he says, listen, here's the deal. You gotta let me clean the inside of who you are, how you think, how you feel towards other people, your attitudes, your values. You gotta let me clean the inside of that stuff. We talked about that in our Transform series where, where Jesus says, I wanna change your mind and how you think. Let me transform this. And when I transform this, then your behavior will follow. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. That doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect. That's not the standard. Jesus is the only one who could live a perfect life. God expects that we live honest lives, that we stop wearing masks. We stop pretending to be one thing. We stop telling people, well, do as I say, but not as I do. We stop using the uh, excuse of, well, I'm just a sinner side by grace, so I'm gonna keep on doing the thing I know I shouldn't do. He wants us to be honest about who we are. And when we mess up, we make it right. We fix it. 
So if you've messed up recently, it may have been a hypocritical moment for you. Maybe you blew up at somebody at home, blew up at somebody at work, and didn't represent Christ well. God knows that we're going to do that. So how do we follow that up? We go back and fix it. We go back and maybe in that staff meeting, I know that may be hard to do sitting around, you know, everybody else that your coworkers, uh, your coworkers with sitting there in front of your boss or in front of your employees or whatever and saying like, hey, last week when I blew up and I said that thing, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. That's authenticity. That's taking the mask off. That's showing people who we really are and being honest and taking responsibility for the stuff that we have to fix in our own lives. Again, Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for authenticity and living the way that he wants us to live. Listen to how King David asked God to help him clean his own life. In Psalms 139, verse 23, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So if you're a Christ follower, will you pray that prayer? Will you invite God to search you, to test you, to look within beyond all the stuff that everybody else sees on the outside, but to kind of look within your heart and your mind and will you let him point out anything that's offensive to him? And when he points that out, will you address it in your life? Will you deal with it? Will you live the authentic Christian life? Here's my bottom line thoughts for today. So if the person next to you is falling asleep, just nudge them. They can wake up and get like the whole content of what I've talked about for the past half hour. All right, so here we go. If you aren't a Christ follower, don't allow Christian hypocrisy to keep you from Jesus. That'd be the worst decision you would ever make. Get to know God for who he really is and look beyond anybody who's living that hypocritical life in that moment. If you are a Christ follower, don't let your own hypocrisy or the hypocrisy of other Christ followers around you keep people from Jesus. Do everything you can to address your own hypocrisy. Move, remove that obstacle so that others around you can be transformed by Jesus. Now, today we're going to end with a reflective moment. So I'm going to pray in just a minute David's prayer for us. And we're going to personalize that. And then our worship team's going to come out and they're going to guide us through a closing song. And during this song, I encourage you to just let God search your heart. Let him search your mind. Let him point out anything in you that might be hypocritical, that might be offensive. And as he points that out, determine today that you're going to deal with it. You're going to drop your mask and you're going to live an authentic Christian life. So if you would, let's pray together. God, today we, we pray David's prayer, a bold prayer where we say, God, we ask you to search us and know our hearts. We ask you to, to test us and know our anxious thoughts. We give you permission to point out anything in us that offends you and we ask you to lead us along the path of everlasting life. 
And in Jesus' name we say, amen.